Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, Queens. We have Dr. Janine Anderson on with us today, and let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a licensed psychologist and host of the Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Her debut book, Recover Your Perspective, A Guide to Understanding Your Eating Disorder and Creating Recovery Using CBT, DBT, and ACT, became a bestseller. She earned her PhD in counseling psychology from Colorado State University and completed her pre-doctoral internship at the University of California, Davis. Dr. Anderson is a certified eating disorder specialist through the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals and is an IADEP-approved supervisor. Dr. Anderson has specialized in the treatment of eating disorders since 2008. She is the founder and director of Colorado Therapy and Assessment Center, an outpatient treatment center specializing in eating disorders in Denver, Colorado, where she resides with her loved ones, including her golden retriever, and she's recovered from an eating disorder herself. She wholeheartedly believes that recovery is possible. Welcome, Janine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to talk to you all. I refer my clients and my listeners to you, your podcast all the time. Well, thanks. I know we learned that podcasters don't just shake hands the first time they meet. Podcasters hug. You know, <laughs> I really try to be respectful of people's boundaries, but I'm a hugger. And so unless somebody's really put off by that, like I'm coming in for it. <laughs> well, I was just reading your bio just now and realized I'm like, oh my gosh, she has like a fantastic podcast. I hope she does doesn't judge. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, no way. It's, it's also, it's such a great resource. So thank you so much for being on. Um, and I want to know, so how do you feel your journey has, um, as a recovered therapist, shaped you into the therapist you are and kind of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it it's been one of the best blessings in disguise in my life to have my recovery history and then to get to do this work. I, I feel intensely grateful that um, I'm healthy enough to be able to work with people who have eating disorders because I think you need to be very healthy yourself and very recovered yourself in order to do that work. Um, and I, I, it's almost hard to figure out like where to start talking about how it's shaped me. Um, in general, I feel like being a recovered professional can be a huge asset. I also think that there are a lot of professionals who are not recovered themselves who are also really amazing and kick-ass. Um, oh, sorry. Are we allowed to use profanity? In Absolutely. Podcast? Yes. Okay, I forgot <laughs> to ask. We prefer um, Okay. <laughs> That's my preference, too, but I've got some gui- I have some guidelines, so I can't guidelines what is that yeah. we don't have any, have any of those <laughs> oh good yeah they're eh, you know kind of limiting um so in general i think that there are lots of great providers who don't necessarily have to be recovered but 
if you're recovered yourself, as I am, um, I feel like one of the most helpful pieces it gives me is um, empathy and humility. So, for example, I think if you have an eating disorder, there's no way that you can have an eating disorder and not lie to people and lie to people like pretty frequently because you have to keep certain things about the disorder secret or like tell half truths and all of that shit. And I think um, one of the things that uh, is really helpful is to like have that humble perspective of like, oh yeah, I remember lying to my therapist and being like, yeah, of course I totally ate my meal plan. Like that's yeah, <laughs> fine. Like I did that too. So when somebody is telling me that I'm like, yeah, I got it. And there isn't that, there's not judgment there. Cause I'm like, yeah, I've been there before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like it helps me to be patient with people because, um, a lot of the times it just takes a while to really thoroughly work through all the stuff that your eating disorder is bringing up currently and all mm -hmm. the reasons why it developed in the first place. And, um, I'm happy to be patient with people because thank God somebody was really patient with me while mm -hmm. I worked it out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we're such like-minded souls together. You have the podcast and then yeah. you also have a best-selling book, which I'm trying to, Kara kind of finally push me into writing one. Absolutely. Um, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so I've been sending you lots of like, tell me about this. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about your best-selling book. Yeah, so I wrote my book. My book is called Recover Your Perspective. Um, and I wrote that book because I was having this experience where I was doing therapy with all these clients who have eating disorders and disordered eating. And um, I felt like I was talking about a lot of the same content or talking about a lot of the same themes again and again. Mm -hmm. um, and not at all that that was bad or boring in sessions, but just it kind of gave me this idea of like, why hasn't somebody written this up yet? Um, and then, you know, like that little tiny part of you that for me is like my little creative spark, my like more open self was like, what if you write that book? Yeah. Um, and my inner critic was like, um, that's ridiculous. Of course, we're not doing that. But the other part wouldn't really pipe down. So I got to this place of just feeling like nobody has written this up in um, the way that I would love to see it laid out. And a lot of the things that I was talking about um, that are talked about in my book um, is how to basically be able to tell what is the eating disorder versus what is you. Mm -hmm. And so I really respect um, people being able to disagree with me on that or you can totally disagree with how I conceptualize things. But I think it's super helpful to just know there are some things that eating disorders tend to do. They tend to undermine you in predictable ways. They tend to tell you lies in very predictable ways. And my book is about trying to outline those so that you can see, oh, that might be the eating disorder, not actually me, like mm -hmm. not my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And the book is framed around using CBT, DBT, and ACT, so three big types of therapy to use some of the lingo from those types of therapy to give you a framework for understanding how the eating disorder is trying to trick you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank goodness that that part didn't uh, let it go and you you're able to write the book. Right. <laughs> that's, also why I have, that's also why I have a podcast. Like incidentally is, I don't know, I get mistaken for an extrovert all the time and I'm like, 
no, let me tell you, that's not actually true, but <laughs> I'm sure you all can relate that there's just this part of you that's like, no, nobody else has, has said this, or I want to say it in my way, and you put it out there. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, um, that leads me to the next question. I love how you explain the different approaches to therapy, and then you give examples in the book. Can you share how this translates into kind of everyday mood thought management? Yeah. So the concepts that I take from CBT, DBT, and ACT are concepts that are just general to those systems of therapy. So for example, one of the ones that's talked about in CBT that I think is a big one is something called catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. And in catastrophizing, that's like when you take something that's happening and your mind automatically goes to like the worst case scenario. (laughs) Like, so you said something kind of snippy to your partner and then you're like, they're going to break up with me. I'm going to die alone. I will only have my cats. You know, that's <laughs> like your mind takes it way too far. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's helpful to have those general terms so that when you're having a day where emotions are really stirred up and you're not feeling quite like yourself and it's just kind of a struggle to know these are things that sometimes our brains do, like people catastrophize, people get emotionally dysregulated, people do things that are out of line with their values. The book talks about how those things happen specifically within the context of having an eating disorder, but they are general things that happen to all human beings. Mm -hmm. Right. Can you give an example, like if somebody's really black or white, how would you approach that? Yeah. So one of the things that I think is um, a good place to start is to think about um, why that's not helpful or like how it's interfering with things. So black and white thinking is super common, all or nothing thinking. Everybody does it, but it can be really stressful, right? Because you only have two options and they're absolute. And in the context of an eating disorder, Um, Or you could apply this to like sport performance too. Like you're either going to do it perfectly or it's just not worth it at all. And starting to think about how that puts a lot of pressure on you. It makes it really dissatisfying if you perform in any way other than 100% top notch. Mm -hmm. Um, And how those things come up like day to day. Like there are lots of examples of like how you could get black or white about something in your day to day life. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, might be for those that don't know kind of that DBT and ACT and CBT. So how do you decide what type of therapeutic model you use with your clients? That's a great question. Um, I guess my answer would be, I practice pretty integratively. So I was trained in, um, a PhD program that emphasized evidence-based practice at a research one institution. So they are serious about science. (laughs) Um, And we were really taught a lot of things about how to do a proper strict protocol. Anyone who has ever worked with eating disorders knows that you need to just do what works. So um, I'm not out there trying to like bastardize these um, major modalities of therapy at all. I really respect them. But if somebody really resonates with CBT a lot more than DBT, mm-hmm. then that's what I'm going to do. If they really need some ACT stuff, like we need to do some values work, we need to mm-hmm. get you into committed action, that's what we're going to do. So I try to personalize that. And I also 
don't believe in prioritizing or having kind of a competition between skills-based therapy Mm -hmm. and insight-based therapy. You need both to get better from an eating disorder, I think. Um, So it's about feeling out what that person wants and needs. And part of what can drive that as well is if someone has already tried a certain type of therapy. So if somebody thinks CBT is bullshit, I'm not going to be coming in there talking about like, oh, let's talk about your cognitive distortions. Like that obviously doesn't fit for them. Yeah. I might try something else. Mm-hmm. Can you go back and even define that? Because I know as a dietitian, I've had to learn the different therapy modalities, but can you just really quick, like define what CBT, DBT, and acceptance is like how one is more like thought pattern the other is kind of like chain analysis i'm putting it in my own yes (laughs) yes totally um so and this is my interpretation of it the people who spent their whole careers making up these systems of therapy would probably critique my summary here but they're not doing this interview so it's gonna be fine um so cbt is the whole premise of cbt is that unhelpful thoughts create distressing emotions and behaviors that are problematic and CBT aims to address correcting thoughts and correcting behaviors that cause emotional distress and Mm -hmm. CBT a lot of the times tends to be pretty focused on thoughts and I do think thoughts matter if you think to yourself I suck I suck I suck I suck I'm worthless I suck no one loves me all day long that does matter and we do need to work on that Um, DBT is kind of DBT and ACT are both kind of under the broader umbrella of CBT which is we would call that a third wave cognitive approach um, in psychology so DBT emphasizes more emotion regulation and mindfulness practices Um, so DBT focuses a little bit more on like providing people with a ton of skills and being able to recognize when your emotions are all stirred up and when you're more likely to act impulsively because your emotions are upsetting. Um, It's incredibly skills-based and I think is a little bit more behavioral um, than CBT. CBT is a little bit more thought-focused, I think. Depends on how you practice too. And then ACT is um, similar to uh, DBT in a lot of ways. And the main thing that kind of sets ACT apart is that ACT emphasizes mindfulness just like DBT, but ACT also uh, emphasizes figuring out what are people's values, um, what are they trying to get out of their lives, and helping people to um, act more in accordance with it. Mm-hmm. So in ACT, what the whole goal of ACT is to reduce um, psychological inflexibility is what they would call it. So we want mm. for people to feel more psychologically flexible. We want you to all of these systems are trying to reduce distress. Mm-hmm. They're all doing good things. I'm sure all the creators of that would like come and kill me for saying <laughs> that, but or it's a lot, a lot of different ways to tackle the same sort of problem. That's a beautiful kind of overview yes. of all of those. Um, and I think that's going to be helpful for our listeners. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, well, tell us about the podcast. You're also an awesome podcaster. Tell us about um, how you started the podcast, why you decided to, and um, what you've been doing with it lately. Thank you so much. And by the way, I've already talked with Becca about this, but you all are, are coming on next oh, season. I haven't told her that yet. No, she <laughs> it is <laughs> so Are you ready. sure you want Oops. the both of us on? Heck yeah. Yes. Heck yeah. It's going to be so much fun. Um, 
My podcast is called the Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast with Dr. Janine Anderson. There's another podcast that has almost the same name. Um, my podcast has my name on it, and the logo for it is green and uh, has my picture on it. Um, I'm blonde. The reason my, my picture's on it is because iTunes will potentially find it better and search whatever. Um, so on that podcast, my podcast is focused pretty specifically on issues related to eating disorder recovery. Mm -hmm. So we do talk about intuitive eating. Um, we do talk about health at every size, but it's always with that focus on, um, recovery from eating disorders or, um, for people who are in recovery and just need to hear that message again. There are also a lot of people who are loved ones of people who are struggling with an eating disorder who listen as well. So it's a little bit more focused than maybe like a general kind of health at every size podcast. My podcast is a mix of solo episodes with me talking through some things that I think are core concepts for recovery, like reducing all or none thinking how to use diffusion to f get unstuck from eating disorder thoughts or like yesterday I just recorded one on tips for how to get through the holidays mm -hmm. um, when you're trying to recover that sort of thing and then the other episodes are all guest interview episodes which I feel really really grateful for um, I've had been fortunate to have some truly amazing people in the field come on um, and hopefully you too soon as well. Yeah, but um, basically, I just beg and flatter people until they make time to come on the podcast. <laughs> See, Kara says, so I just pester them. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. Uh, persistence really matters, uh -huh. everyone. <laughs> Well, and for the, the listeners, like it, it is more global topics. I listened to your newest one with Signa Darpinian on connected eating. And that was that mm. was really good. Mm. I liked that. Yeah, I definitely think even if you didn't have and I hate the phrase full blown eating disorder, but if you didn't have a full blown eating disorder, there are a lot of things that you could get out of listening to it. Um, but my intent is always to serve people who are out there working their butts off in recovery, um, who just really need another source of info and sometimes hope or inspiration. Um, and also to provide something that's free to the community. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Recovering from an eating disorder is so hard and it's so expensive. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to have that out there and be something that is not charged for and will never be charged for. Sure. Mm -hmm. So rumor is that that voice got loud again and there might be a second book that won out. Is that rumor correct? Um, that rumor is correct. So I do. <laughs> uh, see, now now when I put it out in the universe, then I have oh, to behave oops. in line with that. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. I think this it's, is Becca like, for you right here. <laughs> <what she does. laughs> no, it's good. That's I can see why you're good at your job, too, because of that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, de I'm working on, I'm always, I'm always writing something. It just, mat it just depends on what it is. And so I actually do have, um, another book, um, that's going to be, um, a book of meditations that correspond with all the concepts mm. in my current book. So mm -hmm. if you just need something that's like, you can do these meditations, like here's a meditation to help you stop catastrophizing. Here's a meditation to help you with diffusion. That's what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I'm also working on the audiobook version of my current book and also of the meditation book. Mm. And then my third book is in the hopper. Um, because <laughs> that I, voice is getting really loud. <laughs> I know. I'm like, so the whole reason, kind of going back to Becca's question, which I didn't respond to earlier, forgot to, was um, 
one of the things that happened to me when I got into private practice was I love the work that I do with clients and therapy, but something happened with like my professional life where I was just so busy and just trying to build my practice and trying to create like this treatment center that I wanted to have that I really like lost touch with the part of me that's very important. Um, that's my like creative self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I started noticing I would go to these like, you know, networking things or I would meet, you know, new friends at dinner parties or something. And I would wind up saying this phrase like, oh, yeah, I'm like secretly really creative. And then one day it just really clobbered me over the head. Like, that's really fucked up. Like, why is it a secret? Right, like, what yeah. are you, You're sure. not doing it. Yeah, do it. Like, what's getting in the way of doing it? Um, and so I think that that kind of led the way to, okay, well, I'm just going to write this book and maybe I'll never publish it or I'm just going to try to record this podcast and maybe I'll never put it out there. But um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like we're a lot, we're meant to do really good things in this life. And if we're open to that and you let yourself be used as a tool for good and not think about it so much from your own uh, self and your own ego, you can get a lot done. Like, so for me, it was like, get over yourself and just write the book. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, we can't wait to hear more about Mm -hmm. them. So, well, tell me in all this podcasting, counseling, writing the book and spending time with your lovely husband and golden retriever, right? (laughs) Um, How do you balance out the fit philosophy? You know, um, it's not always balanced would be my first response like sometimes I'm like not in balance and I need to like up my self-care and down my work life and other times I need to kick it into gear and get some work done um but I really do care about all the things that are like embodied in your fit philosophy like I feel like if I'm not being able to be that creative part of myself if I'm not able to be helpful to other people um, and try to bring something good to them, that doesn't make me feel healthy. It doesn't make me feel like I'm performing or doing anything excellent, which is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't stimulate my intellect. And also, you know, like doing creative work is having time for myself, mm-hmm. um, whether I put it out into the world or not. And I think um, that's always something that makes me feel really distressed if I don't do enough of it. Uh-huh. Love it. Well, we're glad that you do. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> and we'll be sure to put your book and everything on the show notes so that they can connect with it. And thanks so much for blocking out your time to come on the show today. Of course. I so appreciate you. And I so appreciate you all and what you do with your podcast. Like I said, I always refer people to it. And I'm just honored and flattered to even be asked onto your podcast. I think Becca, I was teasing you about this, but I was like, Hey, you do know I'm not an athlete, right? Like, <laughs> I just want to like check with you. Like, you, you know that, like vet your guests harder, please. <laughs> no, but you've given plenty of useful tools. I mean, all that stuff translates in, in performance, you know, black or white, this is yep. worst case scenario that could happen in a performance. So it, it's all relatable. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, for now, goodbye, but I can't wait to see you again in person, and hopefully Carol will be with yeah. me next time. Let's go to the mountains. Yeah, definitely. Oh, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for being on, Janine. Of course. Thank you so much. You all have an awesome day. Yep, you too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, Queens. 
Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to Sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.